Blessed are those who desire to receive the reward of God's grace, for someday they shall dine with saints in heaven. Today's text is from Matthew chapter uh, 22. Uh, a, a king has just received rejections and refusals of those who did not want to come to his son's wedding celebration. And uh, so he said to his servants, go out to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people that they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. The word of the Lord. I'm really happy to be here with you uh, this morning. Thank you, Pastor Hagen, for uh, the invitation. Um, even though I may work uh, on behalf of our church body, that doesn't mean that still at heart I am a parish pastor. I've got four kids, but only one wife. Three weeks ago, um, we married off our youngest daughter. And if, it made me relate very well to this dad in the gospel lesson who also is, he's going through the same experience. He's getting everything prepared for his son's wedding celebration. And that's the one thing I could really, man, that lead up time to a wedding, all the preparation and the planning, you know, the, the flowers arrived on Friday, but then you're always checking the weather because the reception was an outdoor venue and the wedding is in late September. That's a little iffy. And then you're wondering about other things too, things that can't be helped, you can't control. Like one of the bridesmaids got lost on the way to church. And she got there five minutes before the bells rang. And then you're wondering, is it really a good idea to have a three-year-old as a ring bearer? Do we put Skittles down the middle aisle so he gets to his destination? And then everything starts with the reception. Is there going to be enough hors d'oeuvres? Do people really like goat cheese on their salad? What about that chorizo sauce? Is that going to be a little bit too spicy on the chicken entree? You know, what about everybody? The ones who RSVP'd, are they really going to arrive? There's so much that could get, you could get worked up when it comes to wedding celebrations because all it takes is one miscue, one misunderstanding. You know, why was so-and-so invited on that side of the family and that wasn't on the other side of the family? I think Jesus understands our need to keep things simple. He didn't want any misunderstandings or miscues. And I wonder if that's the reason why storytelling was the vehicle to move his truths to their final destination, which is you. There is an important truth that Jesus wants you to know this morning, something that is very important, as important as eternal life. And so in order that there not be any misunderstandings, no miscues, Jesus speaks a story to you of its importance. It's really the story that can be summed up in four words. King, guests, invitation, banquet. 
It's a, really a story about God inviting a bunch of people to the banquet of the kingdom of heaven. The banquet, not the cafeteria, with hair-netted kitschies and food that you buy with a swipe of a car. It's not the Lutheran potluck of the kingdom of God in which you bring all of your casseroles. This is not food that you bring. This is not food that you pay for. The, the banquet of the kingdom of God, I want you to think a glittery, swanky affair. We're talking five-star dining. We're talking black ties and evening gowns, like crystal chandeliers, sculpted ice swans. We're talking uh, the choicest cuts of roast beef and uh, those shrimp platters with all the dipping sauces. We're talking uh, rotisseries that are all lined up there, served by tuxedoed servers. I mean, the whole affair, can you, can you see it in your mind? It just reeks of lavishness. The kind that is going to cost a lot of money. But this is someone who's got the bucks. As a matter of fact, he's already paid. He's picked up the tab for it. Now, I want you to imagine yourself in that kind of a, a setting and then you say to the person next to you, hey, um, I'll be back. I'm going to run home, throw a frozen microwave dinner in the oven, and then I'll bring it back. This is not the place for that. This is not food that you bring, food that you prepare. This is simply a banquet that is received. Therefore, there is a, an overly gracious, generous king who looks over all of the plans that he has just made and with a satisfied smile on his face, he says, now come. Everything is ready. Come for the banquet is, is set. So who are these people that are coming in Jesus' story to the banquet of God? It, it really doesn't say, if you look back at the gospel lesson, it doesn't give indication, but I, I got a suspicion that they are people of means. They're achievers. They're busy. They're doing things. But I wonder, because they are so busy with life, they're almost too busy for God. Or at, maybe at best, they think they already are coming and are going to be brought into the kingdom of God. But at worst, they are so offended at the thought of God as their king that they think nothing of rejecting him and doing bodily harm and injury to the servants. Which you, which you think about that, that is really short-sighted to forget who's king. And to think that if, if you're not going to obey your king, he has every right to, to look at you as a re rebel. To forget that he has an army at his disposal, all he has to do is snap his fingers and they can come and they can bring you down and to destroy you. But According to Jesus' story, that's what happened, but that creates a new problem. Because now the ones that were invited, they're no longer around. Now, who's going to be in, invited uh, to it? Uh, listen, the king instructs his servants, go out to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. And that's exactly what they did. They gathered all the people that they could find, both good and bad. All people, get this, 
good people and bad people. Which one are you? And you know how I'm using the word bad, don't you? And good, right? I mean, I'm looking out at you. You're a good-looking group of people. It's, so what does it mean? What about bad people? I'm not talking bad in the sense of uh, you take the cover off a jug of milk, you sniff it, and you go, whew, that's bad. I'm not talking about someone who um, did bad and it's landed them in jail. I'm talking about something that was done bad and it injured your relationship with God. Oh, that's bad. That's uh, uh, the, the, the kind of, of bad, especially when God says, I want no miscues, I want no misunderstanding. And so he made very clear, this is what I command. And he let you know, this is the bad that offends me. So it's not like you can stand before the king and say, well, I, I just didn't know what the difference is. No, it's a choice between life and good and death and bad. So which are you? Are you a good person or a bad person? Are you a good person who does bad things? Are you a bad person who wants to do good? Are you the kind of person that, remember the prophet Micah, he once referred to it as, um, there are moments that you hate good and you love evil. You know, Jesus one time, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And I really like that term, poor in spirit. I heard somebody contrast it. He said, there's a difference between the poor in spirit and the middle class in spirit. The middle class in spirit, they're comfortable with faith. They come to God, they say, they say God, um, um, I, I've done bad, but I'm not that terrible. I've got some things in the spiritual bank. It's not as if I don't deserve anything. I deserve something, and I guess I do need a little help along the way. A poor in spirit person says, Lord, I've done bad. And even the good things that I do, I sometimes do with bad motives. I try to control people. I sometimes I even try to control you, God. I do things in order to make myself feel better. A poor and spirit person says, Lord, I'm broke and I failed. Lord, have mercy on me. So which person are you? For the, the person here who may be who may have treated your invitation, but you only give it a, the, the glance that you give to junk mail because you're just too busy. Or for the times that you thought, everybody else got an invitation, where's mine? Because you don't feel worthy enough. Whether everything, all the way in between there, there is an unmockable king who says, I have every right to rescind an invitation. Do you know why? Because he said they did not deserve to come, those invited. See, let's agree on something this morning. All of us arrived here this morning and we sat down with nothing. Nothing. Nothing that we earned for the invitation. It was you and I were brought in 
because of the generosity of a very hospitable king. And the only way that we could be brought into the kingdom is if the, his son was sent out. And so Jesus was sent out of the triune family's home. He was sent in to be part of our family. And he, he was like the ultimate homeless man on earth in order that he might be the ultimate banquet host of heaven. And this homeless man paid for it all on a cross wedged into rocky turf. But you know what the proof of it is? It's a tomb with its front door still ripped off its hinges. Now, the king says, come. Come to the banquet. Everything has prepared. And it, it's like a pauper's feast for those who are humble and poor in spirit. Those who just come in order to receive. And if you went into the pocket of your past, I think you'd still find your invitation still a ringing wet with baptismal water reminding you that every time you come in here, every time you approach the table and, and you see the little bits of bread and sips of wine, every time that you go home and there, you, you have some kind of a family, a personal devotion, every morning and evening that you begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the invitation reaches your ear all over again, come, everything is ready. Come to the banquet. See, now there's a reason for resurrection Lutheran Church to exist because now this church has a problem. You've got way too much food and not enough people to receive it. Because this is the God who, according to his hospitality, he wants his invitation to reach as, as many people as possible. Except there's one person who, who shouldn't be here uh, this morning. Um, when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? Because in Jewish weddings, it was customary that the host would provide wedding outfits. I mean, I can't imagine three weeks ago walking my daughter down the aisle in a pair of, of, of just like my lawn mowing outfit of old jeans and a lawnmower t-shirt. This man comes on in and he's not wearing his wedding clothes and he knows he's in the wrong because he, is, he just stands there speechless. He realizes that he is an idiot. And then finally, uh, the king said, tie him up, throw him out into the darkness because there is something worse than the darkness that we all say is spooky this time of year with Halloween. There's a darkness that is worse than being blind. There's a darkness that's worse than your sin. It is the darkness of hell, a darkness that is so bad, the only way Jesus could describe it in his story is, is that this is a place where uh, where people weep and they gnash their teeth. It's the, it's the sound of human souls sobbing because all of a sudden it struck them like an uppercut to the jaw. They realize it's too late. Now I'm stuck in darkness forever and there's no going back. And when you realize you've made a really bad mistake, it just makes you clench your teeth, teeth that are grinding. 
I had my one chance just to be here this morning and look on what kind of a note we're ending on, right? Something that's just a horrible, horrible picture, right? But don't cover the ears of kids. Let them hear this. Because Jesus doesn't want any miscues, no misunderstanding. This is a hospitable host that says he wants everyone to come. He said many are chosen, uh, but few Many are invited, but few are chosen. Not few are invited and few chosen. He says, that's the many. See, I think that's where you come in. That's where gospel hospitality accompanied by gospel compulsion is the reason why resurrection is being told, be servants of the king and go out and invite anyone that you can find. It doesn't matter if they look like you. Or if they are like you. Jesus says, go to them. Today, Jesus' story is not about those who have already been gathered. This is a story about the ungathered. The unwelcome. Those who who feel like they are not coming into the kingdom because of something in their past. Jesus says, go to them. Don't wait. Go sooner. It's gospel compulsion accompanied by gospel urgency because this is the king and this is what servants of the king do the thing is you and i can relate to them very well because we have needs and you've experienced food for those needs and you have the kingdom resources that can help them in their need so go to them it's called hospitality and invitation because the kingdom is his The food is his. The invitation is his. You are his. Everything is ready. God says, I want my banquet hall full. And in his name, may he never be denied. Amen. The grace of God that goes beyond all understanding and always keep your hearts and minds firmly in Christ Jesus. Amen.